segregation loaded. Turn me round, turn me round, turn me round. I ain't gonna let segregation loaded. Turn me round and keep on a walking, yeah, yeah. Keep on a talking, yeah. I'm marching up to freedom, yeah. Welcome to This Week in Brattleboro History, produced by the Brattleboro Historical Society. In education, there can be unexpected educational opportunities. The subject of this article outlines how one of those developed over the years. I was teaching United States history, specifically the Civil Rights Movement, at Brattleboro Union High School. The students and I had arrived out of the murder of three civil rights workers, part of the voter rights drive in Mississippi during the summer of 1964. They were Michael Mickey Schwerner, Andrew Goodman, and James Cheney. Cheney was from Meridian, Mississippi, and an African American. The other two were Northerners and white. It was June 21, 1964, when the three workers were killed near Philadelphia, Mississippi. One of the students in that 1987 class was Posey King. She was from Putney, and her name caught my attention. I remember asking her the origin of her name, and that is how the story begins. Posey King explained that she had been named for a family friend, Buford Posey. She said Buford Posey had been instrumental in the discovery of the bodies of the three civil rights workers who had been allegedly murdered by local Klansmen with the cooperation of the local sheriff's department. Posey King had told me that Buford was working as an informant and actually attended a Klan meeting where Klansmen bragged about what they had done to the three civil rights workers and how they had disposed of them. As an informant, Buford had helped lead the authorities to the location of the three bodies. I wanted to speak with Buford and contacted King's family in Putney. From Robert King, Posey King's father, I discovered that Posey's father had met Buford Posey in 1966 and that from 1969 forward, Buford Posey stayed in Putney with the Kings during the late spring through early fall months on an annual basis. Buford Posey had been targeted, and part of his protection scheme was to live in Putney. Robert King, Posey's father, explains, We live on Putney Mountain, and I was working on a farm. It's all local people. It's very quiet. Buford's a country boy, so he was quite comfortable being here. From his World War II days, he never slept nights. We had to warn people, don't sneak up on the house. There's a good old vet who's concerned about things going on and so he just felt very safe here. When I used to visit him in Philadelphia, Mississippi, he was always armed. He had a 38 automatic and a Derringer. He was raised with gun violence. Robert King met Buford Posey at Antioch College in Putney. King says, Antioch was trying to reinvent itself as a teacher training school for rural and urban neighborhoods, Hispanic and African Americans, low-income folks. And that's how I met Buford. He was the first white member of NAACP in Mississippi in 1946. Buford Posey had become the target of violent attacks after he informed the FBI that he knew that Sheriff Lawrence Rainey 
and other law enforcement officers had worked with the Klan to murder the civil rights activists James Cheney, Andrew Goodman, and Michael Schwerner. State trials and history prove Buford Posey's information correct, and he remained a pariah among many conservatives in Mississippi. Buford Posey was a middle-class fellow, educated and politically connected. He was a power source for many of the local people. He knew Deputy Cecil Price, Edgar Ray Killen, and Sheriff Lawrence Rainey, all of whom became targets of the investigation into the murders of the three civil rights workers. I once telephoned Deputy Cecil Price from my classroom. Price told me, quote, I do not care to talk about that. I have done my time. He was insistent. It didn't require an effort on Buford's part to convince the authorities of his trustworthiness, and he became an informant. The authorities learned from him. Buford would deliver messages. Buford Posey knew Mickey Schwerner. Buford remembered. He was a condescending guy. He was just 24, I think. I said, Mickey, it doesn't make a damn what you think about how they feel. I'm going to tell you what they'll do. They'll kill you and anyone with you. You're committing suicide to go to Neshoba County because the sheriff is a Klansman. The deputy sheriff is, and they got 39 auxiliary deputies. Every damn one of them is a Klan member. So Neshoba County is no place for you to be, and James Cheney was there. They was always together. I said, they sure will kill you, you and James Cheney and anybody you bring with you. Of course, he paid me no attention, and that other young fella, Andrew Goodman. He arrived in Mississippi. Hell, I don't guess he ever got unpacked. His first trip out of Meridian was to Neshoba County. Of course, they all three were killed, just like I told them they would be. It was June the 21st, 1964. The phone rang. I read until about 2 o'clock. I'd just gone to sleep, and the damn phone rang. And it was... She didn't give me a name. I told her. I recognized her voice. I was so damn sleepy. She said, we took care of the three of your friends tonight, and you're next, and hung up. The night of the boys' murderers, Edgar Ray Killen called Buford Posey and said, well, we took care of your friends, Buford. Buford Posey was told that James Meredith was buried alive. He wasn't dead when they buried him. Soon as this person hung up, I called the FBI office in Jackson. Years later, in the early 2000s, I took a group of educators to Philadelphia, Mississippi for a field study course. One of the destinations was the Mount Zion Church in Philadelphia that was destroyed in 1964 after a voting rights meeting was held there. We drove where Goodman, Schwerner, and Cheney drove. We went to the Neshoba County Jail where they had been detained. In Philadelphia, Mississippi, with college students, mostly adult educators, seeking recertification credit, outside a convenience store, gas station, on an excruciatingly hot July day, I waited by the gas pump, and an African-American fellow came by. I spoke to him. Eventually, I said, someone had told me civil rights workers were buried near here. I was looking for Olin Burridge's property. It was on Burridge's property in an earthen dam that the three bodies had been found. He drove us as far as he could go, leading my caravan of vehicles in the direction of Olin Burge's property and said he would go no further, too dangerous. He said, no, 
you're going up there on your own. It took me three properties to finally find Burge's home. I had spoken with his sister. My students parked in the driveway told me that Burge's sister had immediately gone into her home and made a telephone call, probably to her brother Olin Burge, to warn him I was on the way. I arrived at the home of Olin Burge and knocked on the screen door. No answer. I knocked again. No answer. I knocked a third time. A little louder. No answer. Finally, I opened the screen door and knocked on the inside door. No answer. I was about to leave. As I started to turn, somebody tapped me from behind on my right shoulder with an index finger. I turned around. My heart was racing as I was face-to-face -face with Olin Burridge. We shook hands and began a conversation. I wanted to go to the dam to inspect the property with my students. He refused, but politely thanked me for requesting permission. He explained that he never allows people onto his property. If anyone attempts to do so, Burridge calls the authorities to have them arrested. It has long been assumed that Burridge's buddies had three dead bodies after killing Schwerner, Goodman, and Cheney. And now, what to do with those dead bodies? According to Robert King and Putney Today, that culture is still there today. It's very sobering. At age 90, Posey died at his home in Hattiesburg in 2015. Please join us next week for another story from our community's past.